Welcome and thanks for tuning in to Diving Deep with DL. This topic of God's sovereignty is an important dogma as a disciple of Jesus, and dogma can be described as beliefs. Belief is something one makes or accepts as truth. Doctrine can be taught by church, school, or people groups, but the most important teacher of dogma and doctrine is God. God created his truths in and through his word. God's word is living and active, sharp, piercing, can divide and judge. God sent forth his word. Are you listening? Do you know God's word when you hear it? God has spoken. He's the creator of all things, and there is a time for everything under heaven. If all things and everything doesn't shout sovereignty to you, you tell me what sovereignty is. You got your tanks. Let's dive in. This segment is titled Discipleship, the Way of Life, Everything. Now, the plain old truth, God's sovereignty can be a tremendous freedom or his sovereignty causes severe cracks in one's religious foundation. Once the foundation has lost its integrity, all one's high places collapse and the desired messages change from what someone wants to hear that makes them feel good to what God commands them to hear. God the Father's will, God the Son's salvation, and God the Holy Spirit's work. And God's word, God's purpose, God's plan, God's love, God's grace, God's mercy, God's forgiveness, God's sacrifice, God's warnings, God's view of sin, God's judgment, and God's deliverance. Because when one learns something and solidifies it as truth, that information could be a lie, and they base their perception in life on a lie and never realize the truth. Because the only truth is Jesus, because he is the truth, and everything else is a lie. What they find themselves doing is believing and living man's inventions, misrepresentations, deceptions, and falsehoods. When you look at God's word with an NGA, you know, no gray area mindset, God makes it very clear you either have truth or lies. So you have God who is perfect and the truth, or you have humanity, imperfect and deceitful. Who will you believe, God or humanity, NGA? That's why you as a disciple of Jesus must be a good Berean and check everything you see and hear, with yours truly included. You must check everything and compare it in and through God's word. And your living and active instrument is always going to be the word of God. And what God says is your compass for your discipleship path, and it is well beyond what one may think God means. Amen? As you read and listen, you must be careful because you do not know the heart of man. And God testifies to this truth. Listen to 1 Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You can only see superficially one's appearance, height, 
their attire, speech, their residence, and the vehicle they drive. And all of it can be a complete deception because you cannot see their heart nor their spirit. But God in his sovereignty sees the heart. So the simple truth, not only does God see the heart, he also accepts and rejects. That's the plain old truth. So yes, my fellow disciples, God is sovereign over all his creation. And you have heard in addition to the word spirit to your assessment responsibilities as a disciple of Jesus, didn't you? So listen to 1 John 4, 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now the plain old truth, if false prophets were in the world when God's word was scribed, they are definitely in the world today. And if God through his disciple John was testifying to the disciples of Jesus then, God is testifying to the same warning to you today, my fellow disciples. You've got to believe that. It could only be by God's sovereignty that God would know that our culture today, thousands of years later, would encounter false Christ prophets and teachers that twist and distort God's word to make it benefit their own cause. They manipulate, sway, and dilute God's word, giving the illusion of righteousness, but it's really a masquerade all designed to deceive. Therefore, I pray God gives you understanding of his word and truths, as well as wisdom and discernment, to identify the deeds of false Christ's prophets and teachers. Amen? Because the plain old truth, they are among you today. Remember, it's the same sin and the same salvation, and salvation only comes in and by Jesus. Let me ask you a question. Do you know God's truth regarding the gospel and salvation? Or are you believing what man has told you? Now, I pray God will create in you a desire to read, study, and meditate on his entire word, and that's including the Old Testament, because all of God's word confirms his sovereignty. And please, Please do not tell me that you believe the deception that only the New Testament applies in your life today. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 24, 35. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. The simple truth, all that you see, the sky and the earth, will be gone. Yet God's word, living and active. Today we'll be diving into Ecclesiastes 3, and Ecclesiastes 3 confirmed this phenomenal truth of God's sovereignty over his creation. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, There's an appointed time for everything, and there's a time for every event under heaven. Let's look at the pure milk of the word of Ecclesiastes 3.1, and I'll give an example of part of it, and I'll pray you'll grasp the first word in Ecclesiastes 3.1 is there. There means at hand, present, available, and ready. Then you have is, and is means exists, happens, occurs, or transpires. So, I took the time to look at each word and its meaning, 
And so just so you understand this method, there will be an existence happening, occurrence, or transpiring at an appointed, an appointed meaning chosen, selected, assigned, or arranged, time, a moment, instant, period, or schedule, for, aimed, intended, designed, or me meant, excuse me, meant, everything. And if you listen to Discipleship, The Way of Life, Everything, Part 1, you would know that the word everything, according to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, means all that exists, all that relates to a subject, all that's important, all sorts of other things. Now, I completed the same process for the second part of the verse, and I'm not going to put you through that, but I want you to hear the end result. Cogitate on this. God in his sovereignty has, at hand and ready, happenings and occurrences transpiring that are chosen, arranged, and assigned, intended and meant for all that exists, all that relates to the subject, all that's important, and all sorts of other things. In addition, at hand, present and ready, standing in specific moments and periods on schedule, aimed at and designed for all underneath God's dwelling place. You want proof? Ephesians 2.10 For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. What else do I need to testify to? The question is, do you believe God? Because who is the only one with a capital O that possesses and displays that kind of power, influence, consciousness, attentiveness, existing outside the limitation of time and space, possessing complete knowledge, purest perception, absolute discernment, exceptional judgment, to order such events, circumstance, testing, and trials in order to produce adoration, reverence, praise, gratitude, prayer, obedience, worship in and through their creation. Is it man or God? May I ask, do you believe God is sovereign over all things in his creation? It's a simple yes or no answer. Is God self-governing, self-determining, self-limiting, supreme, absolute, matchless, and ruler and king or not? How would you answer if someone asked you, is the God you serve, who is the only true God, sovereign over all things in his creation? Would you answer that question in confidence with a yes or a no answer? And what proof would you use, your words or God's? I pray God has equipped you to carry your sword or switchblade with you wherever the Spirit of God leads you. Amen? You ever heard the saying, never go to a sword fight without your sword? As a disciple of Jesus, you will, you will be in sword fights. That is, if you're wearing your armor. You can count on that. So my advice, keep your sword sharp and ready for all occasions. How often do you use God's word in your testifying and your living out 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17? Yes, I would totally agree. God's sovereignty is difficult to comprehend. I'm with you. So, 
The only way to attempt to comprehend God's sovereignty is to look at God's word and truths and believe what he says. It's as simple as that. Besides, Jesus commands his disciples as to how we must live this life of discipleship, and it's by Matthew 4, 4. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And, with all due respect, every means all, and God's word, that means every jot and tittle. Every detail of God's word deserves your attention, respect, reverence, and obedience. Amen? So, what does God say? Listen to Ephesians 1, 4, and 5. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him, in love, he predestined us to an adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will. And Romans 8, 29 and 30. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And in these whom he predestined, he also called, and these whom he called, he also justified, and these whom he justified, he also glorified. John fifteen sixteen, You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit, and that your fruit would remain. I must testify. It was God is God and will always be God, carrying out his will and work in and through his creation. Remember Philippians 2.13? For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. This raises an obvious question. No human will allow any invasion work on themselves without their permission, right? Well, my beloved fellow disciples, God doesn't need to ask you anything. God invades your darkness and brings his marvelous light to you. Listen to what Jesus says to his disciple John in John 5:21. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives life correction, for just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son also gives life to whom he wishes. Now the plain old truth, God the Father raises the spiritually dead. Remember Colossians 1, 13 and 14? For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That would be life, my fellow disciples. And the Son gives life to whom he wishes. Now, may I ask? Doesn't John 5.21 confirm it's God that's at work? And when he does, you, like the myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands of others, are so grateful and so thankful, all you can say is, thank you, Jesus. And your testimony is this. I was lost, but God found me. I was blind, but God made me see. I was addicted, but God made me free from the bondage of drugs, 
alcohol, pornography, adultery, idolatry, greed, selfishness, fornication, and the list of God's deliverance goes on and on and on. Now, in God's sovereignty, he testifies that we will have tribulation in the world. <clears throat> Where are you presently living? Listen to John 16:33. These things I have spoken to you, so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. Well, first of all, Jesus didn't just mean it for his initial disciples, did he? No, I guess God's word applies all along the linear line of time. Yes or no, NGA. So what Jesus is testifying to is, in the world you will have evil, harm, trouble, problems, disasters, suffering, pain, afflictions, hatred, sorrow, distress, calamity, catastrophes, agony, mishaps, unhappiness, grief, and misery. And if you notice, the world will never have anything fulfilling for a disciple of Jesus because it's passing away, and all of it has the offer is what I mentioned. So the simple truth, you will never find peace in this world because the only place of true peace is in Jesus. And we should have courage because Jesus has overcome the world. Amen? So in other words, he's overcome evil. He's overcome harm and trouble and problems and disaster. He's overcome suffering and pain and afflictions. He's overcome hatred, sorrow, and distress. He's overcome calamity, catastrophes, and agony. He's overcome mishaps, unhappiness, grief, and misery. Jesus has overcome the world. Praise God. Before we dive deeper into God's truth, have you been cogitating on God's sovereignty in and through your own life? You know, your spouse, children, stepchildren, adopted children, additions to family through marriage, employment, loss of employment, major life changes, provision where none was available or expected, healings and no healings, and death in the hope of life. When you read God's word, can you see God's sovereignty? You have God's word to read, study, and meditate on, right? But what do you think the people God chose to scribe about for you, my fellow disciples? Have you ever considered their thoughts that were actually living through God's sovereign will being carried out in their lives like you are living through today? Oh, rest assured, it's being penned. Don't be fooled. There are books. However, think of Noah. He would build an ark on dry land and not by his intellect, because he had no idea as to how many different beasts, cattle, every creeping thing, and every bird that God had created. And where do tell were all of God's created things located on the planet? I'm sure the elephant, giraffe, and lion would be easy to spot. How would Noah get them all to come to the ark? No, it was God's sovereignty that created things came to the ark commanded by God. How did the created things know what an ark was? 
the purpose for it, and the location of the designed place of the ark chosen by God. What made them seek it out? Was there a flood or not? Oh, have you seen a rainbow in the sky? God's sovereignty in Noah's life is found in Genesis 6-9. Now, are you aware of the story of Joseph, son of Jacob? Joseph's life is another example of God's sovereignty in action. Joseph experienced adversity and betrayal within his own family. Joseph experienced tribulation, was cornered, beaten, isolated, falsely accused, and put in prison. And one could wonder what Joseph was thinking in his heart. But what we read is, God is sovereign and working. It's God's sovereignty that causes all things to work together. As disciples of Jesus, you must trust God is faithful and have faith in his word and promises, regardless of how indeterminable, unclear, implausible, or unlikely you may think God's will is, and how God will carry out his will in your finite mind in essence. God's sovereignty in Joseph's life is found in Genesis 37 through 50. Now, listen to this. There were three men with the names of Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Now in captivity, the king had an edict that all must bow down and worship an idol he created. And refusal to the edict meant death. And death was being thrown into a furnace, blazing fire heated seven times hotter than normal. Now listen to God's sovereignty in these three men's lives. Hananiah's birth name means Yahweh has shown grace. Mishael means who is what God is. And Azariah means Yahweh has helped. Now, through God's grace and help, these men refused to bow to the idol and were thrown in the fire. And listen to what the king testifies. He said, look. I see four men loosed and walking about in the midst of the fire without harm, and the appearance of the fourth is like the son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came close to the door of the furnace of the blazing fire. He responded and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come out, you servants of the Most High God, and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out amidst of the fire. God's sovereignty in Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah's life is found in Daniel 2 and 3. Now, consider this. God plants a garden in Eden. God creates man and takes him and puts him in the garden. God commands the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely. But from the tree of the garden of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat from it you will surely die. Now, I would like to repeat what God just said. Listen carefully. For in the day that you eat from it. God didn't say if you. No. God said for in the day that you eat. 
That sounds like a command from God, whose predetermined plan set at the foundation of the world is the work of God who causes all things. And God's command was going to be carried out by Eve and Adam. Praise God. What about this? Now, the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field the Lord God has made. How did the serpent find the garden? And how did the serpent know that Eve and Adam would be at the tree that day? Because the serpent is not omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. So, it was no surprise that the serpent was at the tree the day they ate from it. Amen? God's sovereignty in Eve and Adam's life is found in Genesis chapters 2 and 3. I pray God is changing that question mark about his sovereignty in your mind and it's becoming an explanation mark in your heart. Cogitate on this. God made it very clear about his sovereignty through his creation of Job. Listen to this truth of God. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless, upright, fearing God, and turning from evil. Job 1.1 now, it came about after the Lord had spoken these words to Job, that the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, My wrath is kindled against you and against your two friends, because you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. Job 42.7 And what was the truth Job spoke that God put in his mouth? Well, this is what Job said. Who among all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this, in whose hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind? Job 12, verses 9 and 10. May I ask, how many times did God allow you to read over this passage and you never gave it a second thought? How many times did God inspire you to read his word and you flipped right past this book. Well, apparently, God is making it known today. His profound truths regarding his sovereignty can no longer be ignored, overlooked, disregarded, or discounted any longer. Humanity, through the work of God the Holy Spirit, will begin to understand the hand of the Lord touches everything. Remember, in whose hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind? And when God says all, he means all. Amen. Now, I was asked what New Testament story would I have for you? Well, there is one. You can count on that, my fellow disciples. But right here, I'm inspired to give you my own story of God's sovereignty in my life. I would say God blessed me with athletic ability. I was a high school football player, quarterback, and a baseball player, pitcher, and third baseman, and I had varsity letters in both sports. I also played tennis and basketball, bowling, and ice skating. I played college football and baseball and tennis and earned letters in those sports as well. Now, God's sovereignty. I had numerous collegiate offers from over 15 Division I universities. And three days before the first game my senior year in high school, my left arm is broken. I was out for the season. That was not my plan. 
But all I can say is, but God. At the time, I considered dropping out of high school because my hopes and dreams were shattered. One month before graduation, when you know the popular of the senior class, you know the question, where are you going to college? Well, that was a chatter all up and down the hallways about their collegiate paths. Well, I was totally silent. But God is all I can say. God inspired Mrs. Simmons and Coach West to help me on my journey. I don't know why. I had no plan. Well, one day I was entering school, and they were standing off to the side by the counselor offices. I kind of looked over at them and kind of looked back, and I looked back again, and they were smiling at me, and they called me over. Get it? Called. They handed me an envelope, which was an acceptance letter to a university in the Midwest with an opportunity to walk on and play football. I didn't see God's fingerprint at the time, because uninjured, I would have never considered that university. But as I look back, not only was God's fingerprint on it, his palm print was all over it. God led me to my spouse. God blessed us with three beautiful daughters and three handsome son-in-laws and three amazing grandchildren. However, I must testify, in college and for many years after, sin consumed my life. It was God that delivered me at that intersection of Midway and Alpha in Dallas, Texas. Today, I understand what God testified to about the woman in the city who was a sinner. I was that sinner too. But God said this, For this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. May I ask, how do you love? All I can say is, God is sovereign, and I believe God causes all things, and there is a time for every event under heaven. Without God's sovereignty, how would you ever know the truth that you live in a dark, evil, and wicked world controlled by the God of this world, Satan, if God never told you the truth. And the world is saturated with deception, lies, trickery, murder, false Christ, prophets, and teachers. The devil's work is designed to continue to blind the minds of the unbelieving and an unrepentant heart, evidenced by the continuation of living in and by the deeds of the flesh. The devil's purpose is to devour their understanding, destroy their eternity as he escorts them to hell. These individuals display the evidence of the devil's existence of his nature within the essence of their humanity. His strategies include, but are not limited to, self-image, prestige, security, power, success, riches, and fame, so they may not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 testifies. Please understand, I pray God makes his sovereignty a certainty for you. Listen to what Jesus says in Luke 22. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you, when once you have turned again, 
strengthen your brothers. That's Luke 22, 31 and 32. So based on what you've heard on your journey thus far, I pray through what you hear, God will bring the truth to you that God and his word is the only absolute truth. God makes it apparent all throughout his word, everything he created is subject to him and nothing happens outside of his sovereign will. Nothing or no one has absolute authority except for God and God alone. Let me ask you this, based on what you've been taught, shouldn't Satan have direct access to Simon? I mean, after all, some may believe Satan has just as much power as God and can do as he pleases. No, my fellow disciples. Remember God says there's a time for every event under heaven? And Simon had his, you have yours, and everyone and everything else has theirs under heaven. And apparently, whatever God commanded was carried out by Satan in Simon's life. Why would Satan need permission? You know, consent, authorization, and approval. In other words, the go-ahead. That would confirm God's sovereignty that he not only knew of the demand for permission, because Jesus and the Father are one, he also knew that Simon would be facing another direction once the consent, authorization, and approval, you know, the go-ahead, was given by God. Simon would be facing in a different direction than he was currently facing. And that would be in his spirituality because Jesus says to Simon, once you have turned again. And because of God's will was carried out in Simon's life, God changed Simon forever. Praise God. You can read Simon's sermon in Acts 2. That's the plain old truth. I pray God reveals the truth of his absolute sovereignty to you today. The next passage is truly an eye-opener when you look at the pure milk of the word. It's Psalm 139.16. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as of yet there were one of them. This passage of God screams volumes of God's sovereignty. God's eyes not only move to and fro throughout the earth, as Second Chronicles 16.9 testifies, but they also are in every place watching the evil and the good, as Proverbs 15.3 says. God's all-encompassing eyesight navigates the earthly and heavenly planes. He directs, comprehends, and discerns all human behavior. God is always determining, judging, governing, protecting, maintaining, providing, defending, preserving, upholding, and directing all of his creation. Psalm 37.15 testifies to God seeing and hearing. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. Just like the earth was formless and void, God conceived what the earth could be. The same is with you, my fellow disciples. God sees you before you were conceived in your mother's womb, and he sees every step you take from the womb, through the tomb, and on into eternity, and it will be as God deems it, either in his presence or not, NGA. And you can count on that workmanship that he performs is in front of you and at work as you journey through this life on your way to your eternal destination.
Whatever God has deemed from the foundation of the world, it will be. And you remember the words previously testified? He chose you in him before the foundation of the world. He predestined you to adoption through Jesus Christ, whom he foreknew. He will conform to the image of Jesus. He called, he justified, and he will glorify. Knowing the truth, that the plain old truth is, you did not choose Jesus, but God chose you. Remember what God the Holy Spirit inspired Peter to testify in Acts 2, that Jesus was delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God? Well, predetermined means to settle or decide in advance. So may I ask, is the foundation of the world in advance? Because foundation means the basis or groundwork for anything. And plan means doing, proceeding, making, and developed in advance. So the simple truth, God decided in advance the groundwork and is doing, making, and proceeding with his predetermined plan by his and his alone foreknowledge. You must believe and live by God's teaching, reproving, correcting, and training. And that's the plain old truth. Because this is the truth. It's all. All of it, all things, everything is all according to God's sovereignty and eternal wisdom being carried out in and through every jot and tittle of his creation. Do you believe? As we head back up, take this with you. Jesus is the author and author means writer, originator or inventor. Listen. But there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe, and who it was that would betray him. And he was saying, For this reason I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted him from the Father. John 6, 64 and 65. Did you hear it? From the beginning, no one can come to me unless granted him from the Father? Listen to these words of Jesus. When Jesus had said this, he became troubled in his spirit and testified and said, Truly, truly, I say to you that one of you will betray me. The disciples began looking at one another, at a loss to know which one he was speaking. There was reclining on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples, whom Jesus loved. So Simon Peter gestured to him and said to him, Tell us who it is of whom he is speaking. He, leaning back thus on Jesus' bosom, said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus then answered, That is the one for whom I shall dip the morsel and give it to him. So when he had dipped the morsel, he took and gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. After the morsel, Satan then entered into him. Therefore, Jesus said to him, What you do, do quickly. John thirteen twenty-one through 27 Now you may have better understanding of why Jesus says this. For the Son of Man is to go just as it is written of him. 
But woe to that man whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. Mark 14:21. Consider this. But Jesus, on his part, was not entrusting himself to them, for he knew all men, and because he did not need anyone to testify concerning man, for he himself knew what was in man. John 2, 24 and 25. Jesus knew, knows, and known. That's all I have to say. Cogitate on this. Whoever, correction, however, so that we do not offend them, go to the sea and throw in a hook and take the first fish that comes up. And when you open its mouth, you will find a shekel. Take that and give it to them for you and me. Matthew 17, 27. You can look past God's sovereignty and be foolish and assume Peter, because he was a fisherman, and put bait on the hook first because no fish will bite on an empty hook. But then again, that would be very foolish and prove unbelief. I believe with all my heart, Peter witnessed enough of God's will, work, and power. No, Peter did exactly what God commanded him to do, and so does everyone and everything else. Now, may I ask again, hook, fish, and coin. You try it. Oh, I will testify. It will only happen if God commands it. Believe that. Do you believe? Finally, Think of yourself as a scalpel, you know, the extremely sharp surgical instrument created by God's wisdom through the mind of humanity. Realize, understand, believe, and trust God is the almighty, all-powerful, and eternal surgeon. The scalpel says, did you see how I cut through the skin so effortlessly, down through the muscle, not touching a nerve or artery as it lay next to the clamp on the table? That scalpel would lay on that table forever if the eternal surgeon decides never to pick it up. On the other hand, the eternal surgeon could decide that the scalpel would be used every other day all day long and that scalpel will do just that. And if the eternal surgeon decides the scalpel has no use at all, the eternal surgeon decides its fate. Or the eternal surgeon could decide that the scalpel has performed its purpose and replaces it as easily as he chose it. And he will decide its use without any input, advice, suggestions, or recommendations from anyone, anything, at any time. It's his own opinion about its usefulness now and forever. I pray God quickens your mind or removes your doubt, gives you understanding, or brings you to your senses of the work of his hand, the strength of his might, and the power of his spirit. All things are created through him and for him, and there is a time for everything. Let me pray for you. Abba, I love you and thank you for today. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Abba, I believe I'm beginning to understand but then that's like a particle of a piece of sand on a thousand by thousand by thousand cubic mile beach compared to you, O oh God. 
How could we grasp anything if you do not give us understanding? How can we see and perceive if you do not give us eyes to see? How could we hear if you do not open our ears to hear? How can we love if you don't first love us? How do we ever forgive ourselves and others if you don't forgive us at the start? How could we extend grace, mercy, kindness, patience, and self-control if you don't give us the fruit of your spirit? How could we escape darkness if you don't bring us to your light? How would we know freedom if you left us in captivity? How could we fix our eyes on Jesus and keep our hand to the plow and not look back if you don't empower us to do so? How could we obtain a new heart and spirit if you don't give it to us? How could we read your word if you don't give us the desire to read and comprehend it? How can we understand your sovereignty if you don't reveal it to us? How could we enter the kingdom if you don't welcome us in? How can we know you if you don't make yourself known to us? How can we be made alive if you keep life from us? And how can we be born again without the power of your spirit? Abba, I lift up every listener to you that you have ordained to hear this Godcast. Although I don't know where they are exactly at this moment, but you do. I don't know all their names, but you know where they sit, stand, the day they were born, and the number of hairs on their head. Abba, please open their hearts, minds, and ears to hear the words that are spoken today. I ask your blessing on this ministry, and it will glorify you for who you are as our wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace, Son of God, Son of Man, Lord and Teacher, the Great I Am, the Way, the Truth, and the Life, the Good Shepherd, the Gate, the Bridegroom, the Light of the World, the Vine, the Bread of Life, King of Kings, and Lord of Lords, Author, Perfector, Word of God, and Creator. O oh, merciful God, it takes the work of your hand by the power of your Spirit to lead all of your disciples yesterday, today, and forever. Grow our faith. Make your will known to us. Forgive us our trespasses. Impart to us your righteousness, your holiness, wisdom, discernment, knowledge, and understanding. Give us our daily bread, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Equip us to bring the good news of Jesus to wherever and whomever your Spirit leads us. And I ask and pray this blessing over every listener today. The Lord bless, and bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. I ask and pray everything in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for tuning in to Diving Deep with DL. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Have a great day of worship and keep walking the way.